Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1 zu 0 für den VfL Bochum. Da draußen ist der Ball frei. Und jetzt ist er drin. Jetzt ist er drin. Und die Spotzen macht das Tor. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon and welcome to the Zweite Bundesliga podcast with me, Johnny Walsh. Today I am once again joined by the wonderful Matthew Karagic. Matthew, how are you doing? Very good, thank you, Johnny. Happy days, happy to have you back once more. Um, it's been a busy, busy week. We have finally finished with the English week. Uh, it's been a little bit stressful, but we've got through it nonetheless, and um, we're here to try and tidy that up all for you this morning. We're going to talk about Jan Regensburg. There are talking point this week. We're, of course, going to have a look back at match day eight. Look ahead to match day nine, which is the final week before yet another international break. And we will answer your questions at the end of all of that as well. So let's not delay. Let's get stuck straight into things with Jan Regensburg. Uh, we asked you on Twitter. Um, the English week is coming to a close and it was an incredibly successful period for Jan Regensburg. Nine points from nine has put them in the early promotion picture, which I would say quite a few people did not expect, especially given their fixtures this week. Uh, so we asked you, where can this run of form take them this season? Will it be a promotion push? Will it be fourth to sixth again? Can they get into the top half? Or will they fall away and come uh, somewhere between 10th and 18th? But uh, we would very much doubt it'll be in that bottom three. Matthew, where did you have them down before the season started? It was um, a really good turnout from the the voters, by the way, um, as if we are running our own country. But uh, yeah, uh, a, a really good turnout, almost 150 voted uh, before i give those results out matthew where would you have uh, put your bets on this one see i had them finishing eighth uh but very confidently in the top half of the table um you know it's it's the fact that they are really strong at home but so far this season they've uh, of recent they've been able to show their abilities to win away from from home and for a team with with a considerably small budget. They're not the biggest team in the league. Um, you know, taking points away from home is really important, and um, which they've been able to do so far this season. And you know, I think I think to the safe safe to, safe bet is they'll finish in the top half of this table, but the lower echelon, so the eighth and ninth place. I think that's pretty fair, although given how tight the table is, I don't think anyone can really predict where you know those teams from second down to. 12th, 13th will finish. All of those teams at the moment in that section anyway have the potential to finish second and equally if things don't go right they could end up in the bottom half of the table. It's been a funny old start to the season really but nothing that we didn't expect I suppose given that it's Vida Bundesliga. 9% of you think that they can maintain a promotion push this season. 30% went for 4th to 6th again. Uh, the winner was 46% with top half finish. And 15% of you think they'll fall away. I just don't see that happening, Matthew. Do you? No, not at all. Um, I think they've just got a good mix of players. They've got good balance within the squad. And um, now that they've 
got the likes of Marco Grutner and, uh, and so I guess Adam Jan uh, finding the back of the net with a little bit of regularity. Um, yeah, I just can't see them dr- having a massive dip in form and joining the, uh, the bottom five group of teams. What do you think has been the major factor in this little mini turnaround? Obviously, no other side took nine from nine apart from uh, Köln during that period. So I think credit to them that they've managed to match one of the best teams in the league and probably one of the best teams we'll ever see play inside the Bundesliga. I think probably as much as the defence has been very, very solid, a lot of credit goes to the attackers who have finally managed to find some form. Agreed, and you know it all started in Hamburg with that five-nil victory, and and uh, with no one seeing that coming, and and um, you, you look at how they'd kind of struggled throughout the early periods of the season. Um, they obviously beat Ingolstadt, which is what they seem to do on a regular basis now. And um, yeah, they um, it, it's it's taken them a while, but now the the, the strike partners have have found their feet, and um, yeah, it's. It's it's a positive sign for Regensburg, who who will need to take as many points as possible um, in the early stages to avoid the calamity later on. One of their goals did make it into our goal of the week poll as well. Of course, that was Marco Gutner's goal against MSV Duisburg, and Matthew he seems to have finally managed to find some form along with Sergius Adamian, and those two looked like the partnership that we probably expected them to be this season once more. Well, yeah, I mean, the expectation on Grutner is that he, you know, he was very good last season uh, and his goals were very pivotal in keeping Regensburg up. And I guess when you are very good in your initial season, the expectation is that you're able to maintain and continue on and, and improve. And um, it was, a, it, despite it being a slow start for, for Marco, um, you know, he showcased his goal scoring qualities in the last few outings. And, um, yeah, it, it's pivotal that they have their, their captain and their leader of the team leading from the front, and he's doing so. And Adam Jans, um, you know, it's probably not the most notorious goal scorer out there, but, um, you know, he's made great strides into ensuring, you know, a positive inroads for, for Regensburg now and in the future. That is certainly true. And uh, unfortunately for him, he came bottom of our goal of the week poll with 7%. Uh, Mark Schnatter was third with 23% his free kick against Fallfield Bochum. Uh, the top two were quite close, though. Daniel Ketuel's uh, thunderous strike against Dynamo Dresden got 33% of the vote. But the winner with 37 and I don't think there was much doubt about this unless you want to argue differently, Matthew, was uh, Keanu Stauda's stunner against Erste FC Köln. It was uh, a fabulous strike and one that you know even Timo Horn at full stretch just couldn't get near. Yeah, no, no arguments here. It was a quality strike, and and um, you know you score with less than ten remaining, and it gives the team a little bit of belief. And and yeah, it's a cracking goal against a world class goalkeeper. It certainly was, and uh, he will hope that uh, that can maybe force him back into the reckoning for a starting place. It's uh, been an interesting couple of weeks for Armenia. I think they've been pretty unlucky when it comes to refereeing decisions, and we saw all that frustration boil over with um, Stefan Ortega ripping his uh, top open. Uh, did you see that, Matthew? I thought it was pretty impressive how he managed to rip it in such a straight line. Yeah, he's a beast, and he uh, built like built like the Hulk, and um, yeah. I mean, his frustration echoes the frustration of Bielefeld fans who, um, yeah, 
to cop the raw deal of it on uh, on Friday night. So yeah, it was very impressive. I think it's the fact that um, against Hamburg just before halftime, they had that decision go against them with um, Paulus Beck, and now against Köln, not quite just before halftime, but not too long before uh, they go a goal down. It's one of those where. It's maybe not as clear-cut a penalty as you see, but you do see them given quite regularly. I think it was a little bit unfortunate that, uh, yet again, they're made to wait to get a penalty for a handball decision, which um, just doesn't seem to be coming at the moment. But, nevertheless, uh, we will dive into that in our Group 1 games, which are coming up right now. Yes, it's time to get stuck into our Group 1 games from Match Day 8. It was... uh, a little bit of a dull start, shall we say, to this uh, section of fixtures, but uh, there is only one place that we really can start, and that is the Hamburg Derby. It was uh, Hasfau-Nil, St. Pauli-Nil. It was uh, a day to forget for both teams. Um, St. Pauli, of course, will be the happier with the draw, and um, it does preserve their record as uh, the city's best team, shall we say, even from that win seven years ago, but uh, they weren't prepared to let anyone forget about that, I'm sure. Matthew, what did you think of the game? It was, uh, uh, I don't know, one for the football purists, shall we say? Yeah, it was not pretty, and um, but, I, but I had the elements of a derby game. I mean, it was very cagey. Um, you know, the atmosphere was great inside the Volkspark Stadion, uh, which isn't a surprise being, you know, the magnitude of the contest. Um, yeah, it's a shame that the, the spectacle on the pitch was pretty um, rough and tumble um, in terms of opportunities on goal. And, and yeah, it, neither, neither team really had the cutting edge to, to, to win the game. And I think the result overall was was pretty fair considering neither neither St. Pauli or Hamburg were able to assert themselves as the dominant force. Obviously, no one wants to be biased either way, but I think most people who were watching were willing Schenk Sahin's incredible effort in the final minute to go in. It would have made one of the worst games I've watched in recent memory so, so, so much more bearable. I think... I, I don't know why he didn't play in Hank Veerman. That was my my first question. And then he hit it and I was like, okay, obviously to waste time, it'll go over the bar or whatever. And it just kept dipping and dipping and dipping. And as horrible as it sounds, I was willing Julian Pollers back not to save it because the one time that we get international coverage for this league, uh, we end up with a terrible, terrible nil-nil draw. And for that to happen in the last minute would have just justified everything that we've said, but uh, unfortunately it wasn't to be. But nevertheless, I thought it was uh, a good performance from the Haas Fall back line and likewise from St. Pauli. Was there anyone who really stood out in that game for you that um, shone in what was uh, an otherwise drab affair? I mean, we'll probably talk about the two defenders on either side in David Bates and, and Christopher Abervor. The importance of those two players to their respective sides, I think we were half joking about it. Last episode, that it will probably be a nil-nil because those two seamlessly keep it nice and tight defensively, and their their defensive cores are a lot better when the, when they're in in the side, and and they showed they showed that both sides were very hard to break down, and yeah, I think those two showcased their utter importance to the structure of uh, their respective sides. Yes, um, David Bates's effect on this house foul side is 
very well known. He is absolutely integral to what they've done so far. They've conceded just one goal in the 506 minutes that he's on the pitch. And you can, as you say, translate that over to what has happened with St. Pauli and uh, Christopher Avivois. He has, uh, I think, they haven't won yet this season without him um, in the league anyway. They've lost all three games without him. Uh, and with him, they had won all four leading up until the derby. That was a draw. They've only conceded twice in 450 minutes with him in the side. Compare that to 12 times in 270 minutes without him. It's a very, very big difference, and I think Matthew shows, as you said, how important these guys are, but what good defenders can do for you in this league is when you game's on their own. Absolutely, and um, you know, as much as we're all for attacking football and, and goals galore, um, you know, having that anchor in defence is, is, is very important, and with teams like Hamburg, who are obviously vying for a promotional spot, and, and St. Pauli might, you know, believe that they're in with a shout um you know having a strong defensive core is really important and and, and it seems that both teams have got their defensive leaders so to speak um even though Bates is you know an under 21 Scottish international he's clearly their most important player in the back four I would certainly agree with that and I think it's only fair that when we're wrapping up this uh, derby, we've obviously spoken positively about St. Pauli. We have to turn our attentions to Haas Fau and uh, the emerging story that is that if Haas Fau don't manage to win in Darmstadt, even a draw might not be enough to save Christian Tietz and his job, which is almost unthinkable really, given how well he'd done last season with them. He gave them a fighting chance of staying up for long periods, longer than anyone could have ever imagined. And now we're left with him looking at a scenario where he could be sacked if he doesn't win, even though Haas Fowl could be well within reach of the top two. And it almost seems surreal, Matthew. Yeah, it seems a bit ridiculous, to be honest. And, you know, he's probably been their most competent coach for over a decade and, or even longer. I mean, uh, you know, they have clear structure. They they have a game plan going into each game. Some of his plans haven't transpired or worked in in the Swider Liga. But um, we 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 saw at the end of last season what he could do at the top level, and and it showed that he could build a side that can to ma- that can match it with with some of the best in the league. So yeah, it would be an utter catastrophe if he was somehow relinquished but if you were another team in the league and you saw that Teets was on the on the free uh you would want to get your mitts on him because he's a very talented manager yeah it's going to be interesting just with this international break coming up what a few of the sides decide to do one of those teams has acted very early on and uh, managed to find a replacement after 35 minutes or something so we will come on to what MSV Duisburg have done with Torsten Liebknecht uh, later on but the focus is on Tietz and I don't know I think the campaign that Bilt are running at the moment is totally disgraceful the fact that they almost seem desperate to see him sacked is a little bit OTT for me and you know I think it's just pretty sickening that they've launched what is a pretty public attack on someone who uh, is just trying to go about their their job and and do it in the right way and how he sees fit and unfortunately 
Um, it, it has come to what looks to be an ultimatum against Darmstadt. We will discuss that game later, of course. But hopefully, and I say this as an unbiased uh, football fan because I do like Darmstadt as well, but I would like to see Haasfau come out on top on that one if it does save Christian Titz's job. Uh, he doesn't deserve to get sacked, and I think it's a totally ridiculous situation that uh, we are talking about this. But uh, that's just how things are, unfortunately, in modern football. But we move on from the Hamburg derby to Armenia Bielefeld's 3-1 defeat to Köln. We mentioned that handball decision a little bit earlier, but I think Matthew as much as that decision could have had a bit of a bearing on how this game went, uh, Cone took their chances and probably deserved the win. Yeah, and uh, Cone had that guy called Simon Toronto who just keeps popping up and then finding the back of the net. He's got 12 goals in uh, six league appearances this season. And uh, yeah, what a luxury to have a, a guy with such talent and an eye for, for goal. And uh, yeah, uh, you wonder if he's catching the attention of someone called Yogi Lev. Um, and the German national team because his goals have been at a premium and he's definitely made a difference for, for Köln and yeah, they, they were the better side for longer patches against Bielefeld despite how unlucky the hosts were and um, yeah, and Köln are very much on their way It looks like that and especially um, with someone who is on fire like Simon Terada it is hard to disagree with that I think uh, just purely for the fun of it and as much as he does deserve a call up anyway no matter what anyone says uh, just to annoy as many people as it will it would be great to see him in that Germany side and the first Vita Bundesliga player for quite a while to have made it into the national team it would be um, quite the feat and of course uh, hopefully uh, Jonas Hector will be back in the Germany side as well uh, after he had that little break for the last couple of games so it would be nice to have two side of Bundesliga representatives uh, in that side but from our Armenia's perspective Matthew uh, they fought hard, they battled hard it was just when it came to, to trying to find that crucial goal it took so long for it to come and they were up against it from then but credit to them I think this Armenia side have changed a lot and I would say they're definitely in the running for one of those promotion places at least. Yeah, I would say they're definitely in the hunt for a top six. And, and uh, you know, if they can string some good results together, they're a good chance of being in that promotional place. I think I think the key is, is, is you know, the two games they've played against Hamburg and, and Köln, they've, they've conceded three times in both those games. And, and maybe that's something to look out for because if you're a genuine contender, you'd like to see them potentially get a point I mean that the game in Hamburg obviously that decision um, or I guess that was that, the non-call on Polar's back may have changed changed the ledger but um, yeah they just need to find a way to, to, to make it happen in the big moments and so far against the big teams um, of the league they haven't been able to do it I think it will be a growing process and this team has some more growing to do together and you know, over the next couple of seasons, if Jeff Sabina does stay in charge, I think there are very, very exciting things to come from this Armenia side. And speaking of exciting things coming from certain teams, uh, Danny isn't with us again, but um, it seems that when he's not here, uh, Grotofurt win almost every game. So maybe there's a little bit of a conspiracy there that he doesn't want to come back on the podcast and jinx things. Uh, another win for them, a 1-0 win away from home as well um, against uh, Dynamo Dresden. 
a massive, massive three points for them, Matthew, if they are to continue this absolutely incredible start. Yeah, and it's um, extraordinary how we, uh, we, we, uh, we talk about how they don't travel very well. And to get a result against the Dresden team that have been playing quite well, um, you know, they'd won three of their last four. Um, to get the result, keep a clean sheet, uh, it's all it's all very very positive for um, for the Shamrocks and yeah I mean you know Danny Caterwell who you know we weren't sure if he was going to cut it um, at this level he showcased he's more than capable and and as we've seen you know further very strong defensively and and now they've got that num- that number nine uh, in Caterwell um, all things are going going good and and yeah but they they would start to believe that they're a real chance of um, being in that top. That top six. Only Union Berlin have a better defensive record than Grotta Foot this season. What do you think has changed, Matthew? We we obviously asked this question a few weeks ago, but it it just keeps continuing. Do you think it's more of a, a real team effort? You know, as much as we look at this team and can point out players who have done this done well this season, there are no, you know, big name stars. You could probably argue that Julian Green is in comparison to most players in the Vita Bundesliga, given how well known he is. But really, it's just a good group of hard-working players with some outstanding technical players mixed in there as well. And everything just seems to be working for them at the moment. And I think Demir Boric deserves an awful lot of credit for that. Agreed. And they're just very well-balanced. And, and, and when players go out, they're able to you know, bring someone in and they're able to do a job and and uh, that you know that's really important. They're they're obviously a very unified group, and um, they would have learnt from their experiences last season, and and the, the fact that they've made a, a very quick turnaround, and they've been able to have a, such a positive start to the season, um, you know, is is a really good sign of things to come for them. And and you just wonder um, whether they can go further than expected. Long may it continue from their perspective. It was a bit of a disappointing defeat for Dynamo, though. Uh, they had the potential to rise into um, third, where Foot currently sits, so they could have swapped places. But uh, it just wasn't to be. The ball wouldn't fall for them when they most needed it to. But I don't think there's too much to be concerned with with this performance, is there, Matthew? No. I mean, uh, no. Nah. There, there, there wasn't. I mean, they they weren't terrible, but they just didn't do enough going forward. And yeah, despite it being a disappointing loss, they'll pick themselves off off the canvas and uh, go again on the weekend. Yes, and uh, there are a couple of big games this weekend. Of course, we will look forward to those in our match day nine preview. But now it's on to Group Two from match day eight. And those Group Two games begin with what was an absolute humdinger between Holstein Kiel and uh, Darmstadt. Of course, uh, there was the news this morning that Kiel's stadium rebuild has been delayed. They put a Europe-wide tender uh, for construction and uh, they got absolutely no replies, which is a shame because uh, it does seem like between themselves and Darmstadt, which leads us on nicely into this game, neither of them can get anyone to fix their stands. Um, I think it's, Matthew, probably a protest against the the dismantlement, that's probably not a word, uh, of these great 
open stands, these open curves, and uh, I wish they had let that one stay in Kiel because then I probably would have made the effort to head up there with Bochum, uh, but I would have been sorely disappointed with a 91st-minute equaliser, uh, and there was no luck for Darmstadt here either. I think Kiel, given that they had 10 men for 40 minutes, I think after Yannick Dame got sent off, put in a very manful performance, and you know they took their chances when they came and deserved the three points. Yeah, absolutely, and they, they did the hard work early, and um, it was interesting to see that um, Tim Walter went with a, a two-up-front attack with Benjamin Gert and, uh, and Jan Lucasera, and, and it worked a treat. I mean, Gert scoring early, and then uh, Lucasera scoring 20 minutes after, and yeah, they, they were they were good for, for longer stretches of the game, and, and even when they went down to 10 men, they, they, looked, they looked solid going forward, and they were compact defensively. I mean, they just brought in Patrick Herman to replace Demon and it you know, they 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 were really troubled throughout the contest and um you know, well worth the three points. It was a bit strange that Darmstadt and I suppose you do see this sometimes that teams find it easier to play against eleven than play against ten men and that was certainly the case for Darmstadt here. Apart from a few moments, they didn't really manage to create something against the ten men and I guess that's a little bit worrying for Dirk Schuster. It is because with a numerical advantage, you would think that you'd be able to take advantage. And considering they were they were down at the time, um, you you would have thought that Kenneth Cronholm's goal would have been under enormous pressure, but it wasn't to be. And uh, and you know credit to the, to the back four who of Kiel who were able to remain tight and, and nullify the opportunities on the on their goal. I honestly thought for a second there when you say Kenneth Cronholm's goal. I had missed something really, really amazing in this game and uh, was going to be severely disappointed that I didn't see him score. But nevertheless, um, another good win for Kiel. Uh, and this two-up front formation, as you say, um, almost like a diamond in midfield, seems to be working really, really well. We'll see if it can continue this weekend. And it's another good chance for them to pick up points. It's a way to our they're obviously going to want to bounce back as well. But um, Kiel seem to just be hovering in and around that mid-table spot at the moment. We're talking about teams that can push on. Can Kiel join that group as well and maybe look towards uh, bettering that third-place finish from last season? Probably not bettering their third-place position, but I think they're um, from what we've seen so far this season, they're, they're an opportunity to to progress into the top half of the, of the table. But as we've seen... This season, you could be, you know, fourth heading into the match day, and then end the match day in tenth or eleventh. So, I mean, it, it, at the moment, it's it's very unpredictable. But they 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 certainly have a good unity around them, and and uh, you know, they they could easily finish in the top half, but easily could finish thirteenth. Coming on to sides who finished the match day worse than they began, we have to look at VfL Bochum who were 2-1 up against Heidenheim, turned it around relatively quickly, everything was going well. Uh, then Anthony Lucia gets sent off. Uh, I don't think there's much debate over that one. And they looked to be holding on for a very, very good win away in Heidenheim. But uh, late goals from Robert Glatzel and Mark Schnatter, who else, uh, managed to turn the game on its head. And Matthew, I think a draw maybe would have been a fair result in this one, but... It's been a pretty bad English week, all told, for uh, for Bochum. Yeah, and the football gods, you know, weren't too kind on Bochum. Uh, 
they they defended valiantly in, in Heidenheim after going down to ten men. Um, but yeah, um, it's disappointing for them. You know, they entered the English week with in good shape, and and they've come out of it in in a bit of tatters. And yeah, it'll be interesting the response on the weekend if they can head into the international break on a win. They they need it in terms of remaining in either top half of the table, but also keeping up to the pace with, with the likes of Union and and, um, and Furt and, and, and the rest. So, yeah, it means that getting a result this week is going to be very important for them. It certainly is, and uh, a derby game of sorts against Armenia Bielefeld won't be easy at all. But for Heidenheim, Matthew, um, it's a pretty decent English week, I suppose. Nothing out of the ordinary, but that win did move them level on points with Bochum. Bochum in 11th, Heidenheim in 12th, and given some of the results for the teams below them during this week, that was a pretty big win for them. It it was, and... Um, you, you look at the, the three guys who scored for them, and they are going to be the three pivotal points for, for their attack. And you, you get Dovidan scoring off a counter, um, you know, Glatzel, and then obviously Schnatterer with a bit of Schnatty magic, which was special. And, and you know, every time he lines up for a free kick, you're not even surprised if it goes in. So uh, such is the quality that the man possesses. And, yeah, it's it's a big win for them because – you know, you, you we're expecting them to be in that bottom six, you know, lower mid table, and and every win, you know, for, for a team like Heidenheim, every win's going to count. And, and to win at home against the side that you know has you know, a little bit more quality than they do um, is very important for them. It certainly was, and uh, Bochum could have gone second uh, for a while at least had they won it at the weekend, but the side that are in second picked up yet another win. Uh, they remain unbeaten, that is, of course, Union Berlin. They picked up a 2-1 victory away at Ingolstadt on Monday evening, and Matthew, while Ingolstadt got back into that game late on, there was only one team that really deserved to win it. Yeah, and they were, and that was Union. They were dominant early on. They they made ruin roads in in controlling the game, and and they did so with with relative ease. Maybe the mindset was wrong from Alexander Nuri's team talk um, because they didn't come up with come out with any sort of energy or intensity, and and they were second best for pretty much the entire game. And yeah, the Union side continues to to keep on rolling, and and. Um, yeah, they look to be a genuine threat on those promotional places this season. I think so, and I think Konstantin Kaschbaum is probably regretting his decision to swap uh, Bielefeld for Ingolstadt, but I just don't understand what happened to them, Matthew. After such a good performance in Köln, they were dogged, they were desperate, they were fighting for everything. They just seemed to stand off Union, they didn't seem to get involved, there was nothing on the counter it just looked like a completely different side from, you know, what happened on Tuesday to what happened last night. Yeah, and it does show you of a side that is lacking a lot of confidence and, and, and self-belief. I mean, you know, they, they were, we both thought they were excellent against Köln and, 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 you know, despite not having the, the complete final product, they, you know, were, we thought that was the potential start of the, the turnaround. But yeah, I mean, they were, they were so poor for so long in, in this game. And, um, yeah, their, their match on the weekend is super important. They're going to be playing a Paderborn side that are 
very good on the road. So, yeah, it just means that if you you don't you don't want to enter the the international week on, on a on a on a defeat, they're the second and bottom, and um, it, it'll get tougher if they can't get a win. And I think for Alexander Nuri, they he needs a win not just for himself but also to get that self belief in the group because they're clearly lacking they're lacking something. That certainly won't be easy against an informed Paderborn side, but for Union, there is the chance if they beat Heidenheim uh, and, you know, Duisburg do the unthinkable and beat Köln that they could be top going into the international break, albeit on goal difference. And I think if Duisburg do beat Köln, you know, fair play Torsten Lieberknecht, but it's been an incredible start from them. They're the only side uh, left unbeaten in the league and... To be fair to them, it's hard to begrudge them that. They've held on for draws. They've come back with important goals at big, big moments. Uh, the game against Kiel, where they scored twice late on to take all three points, was another example of that. Sebastian Polter is, of course, back again. He came off the bench once more. They can probably look forward to him being fully fit again after the international break. Everything just seems to be slotting into place for them at the minute. It does, and um, you know, you know, part of that has to go. Part of the credit has to go to Urs Fischer, who you know, it's his first time managing Union Berlin, and he's he's obviously brought not only a, a very good game plan tactically, but he's obviously got the players in shape. Uh, they've made some they made some very good moves in the transfer window. They bolstered that defence. I think Florian Hubner, alongside Marvin Fijic, has been um, has been very good as a defensive pairing. Um, they've been solid in midfield. I think having that three in midfield has been a bit of a win with Schmiedeback, Kurs, and, and Promo. So, um, yeah, everything looks good for them. And, and if they can just maintain their, their pace and, and increase, they're in, they're in really good shape going forward. It's time to move on from those games and look at our final roundup from match day 8. That does include MSV Duisburg, who have sacked Ilya Gruev. Uh, they lost 3-1 at home to Jan Regensburg. And Matthew, I don't think it's any surprise, really, that Gruev is gone. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, the change was needed. And, yeah, it's 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 one of those weird ones where we, we, we look at it and they haven't done a lot wrong. Uh, they've just had you know some bad luck and it, they've been unable to find the, the back of the net with regularity and yeah I think when you head into to match day nine winless um, yeah change was needed and um, yeah we'll see if um, the new manager Torsten Liebknecht can um, can turn it around. He has an awful lot of work to do. We will talk more about what. Labour Connect um, should do or has to do um, when we preview Köln's game against MSV but uh, it was just another case of them not really showcasing what we know they can do obviously Moritz Stoppelkamp is out injured which doesn't help at all but you know for Jan this was a pretty comfortable win. It was and they did the hard work early they scored twice Within the opening 13 minutes, uh, through Marco Grutner and, and Sebastian Stoltz, and um, yeah, they from there they, they looked in control, and yeah, it's it's an important away win for them, and obviously capped off a perfect English week for them. It definitely did, and uh, they just keep going from strength to strength. We have talked about them, uh, and we will talk about um, Duisburg in more detail, so we will quickly move on to the second game in this group, and that is Paderborn against Aue. This wasn't terribly pretty, but still it was effective from Paderborn. 
Uh, yet another win under their belts. Uh, a very impressive performance between the sticks from Leopold Zingale. And uh, they're up to 7th, 12 points from 8 games. Couldn't really ask for much more than that, Matthew. No, and I think uh, if you presented that option to, to Stefan Baumgart at the start of the season after match day, they looked very comfortable in 7th. Um, he would have taken it, and, and they, they looked very good. Um, this was a game I actually watched, and despite it being a bit of an eyesore for a lot of it, um, yeah, Paderborn just had that little bit extra uh, cutting edge. The goal by Tech Petty, who once again showcasing that he's a he's been a really good buy for them in the summer. And um, yeah, I think um, you know Paderborn have showed out of the two promoted sides that they look very very comfortable in this league. I think um, it was Bochum chasing Tech Petty last season, and they're maybe regretting now that they didn't go for him. And uh, you can see why that uh, Domenico Tedesco. Uh, apparently insisted on having that buyback clause in his contract because he has been excellent for them so far. And I think maybe Paderborn haven't got the credit they deserve so far this season, Matthew, especially given this Finn Mikkel has been out injured. They've had to change that uh, striking duo around quite a lot because of injuries or suspension or whatever. And um, they just keep on coming up with good performances. Yeah, and I think that's really that's that's a good thing you bring up, you know, not having that consistency in terms of partnerships up front. Obviously, it's the same with with the defensive core. I mean, if you have four different players lining up every single match, you know, you're not going to get that solidity. And, um, yeah, I think it shows that the, the game plan that, that Paderborn have in place, it, it, you know, no matter who's playing up front, they're able to thrive in. And whether it's Zielinski or, or Gay or Tech Petty or Mikkel, uh, they just they're just able to find a way to get forward and um, and you know create chances and score goals. That is very true, and um, our were probably very very unlucky not to come away with this one from a point. Um, as I said, Zingola had a absolutely fantastic game between the sticks for Paderborn. Um, plenty of rotation. Our not really happy with it. Fans were were very very unimpressed with. Um, uh, Daniel Maia's decision to make as many changes as he did. He said that uh, he's not going to do that this uh, coming weekend against Kiel. Can they bounce back with a win there? Or, you know, I think they just have to put on a performance for their home fans after this one where um, had they probably named a full-strength side, they probably could have won this one. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things I understand. You understand the fact that you need rotation when you're playing three games in the space of 10 days, but um, you can also see the fans' point of view where you want your team to go out and play to win. And for, for, for Port, you know, the team selection was pretty uninspiring and it just didn't look like a setup that could enable them to go on and take a point from the game. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing for our, uh, for the our fans who made the journey to Paderborn, but. Yeah, it's going to be tough again. You know, Keeler a good side, and and you know, it's something we'll, we'll talk about when we preview the game. It certainly is, and uh, our final game that we'll look at for match day at surrounds uh, Magdeburg's first ever Zweite Bundesliga win in the club's history. So, kudos to them. Jens Hertel deserves a huge amount of success from leading the club from Regionalliga up through the leagues into Zweite Bundesliga. And uh, somewhat fitting that uh, Christian Beck scored in that first game of that Regionalliga season, and he was the one who got the winning goal against Sandhausen. Uh, it was a dogged defensive performance from Magdeburg. Sandhausen were the better side for long stretches, but um, as we've said before, and as we said earlier on, a clinical striker makes all the difference. Yep, 
and it doesn't matter how they come. Um, they all count the same, and yeah, that's what he's there for, and, and he shows that how it, Christian Beck shows his importance to the Magdeburg side once again, and um, yeah, they just they look more likely when he's in the lineup. Um, we saw him come off the bench in, in, in midweek, and it didn't really work out, but um, yeah, good finish, and uh, it's a positive result. Let's see. If Magdeburg can carry this momentum in the uh, the big East German derby on the weekend, it's uh, going to be a big one. I think most of us can't wait to see how that one goes. It is sold out, of course, and uh, if you are a neutral who doesn't want to maybe watch um, Köln or HSV, uh, this is going to be the game to watch this weekend, or Bochum against um, Armenia. That could be pretty feisty as well. I am um, making a point of trying to go to one of those games every season because I really do enjoy the atmosphere and banter at those, but for Sennhausen going back to them, a bit disappointing that yet again they're without a home goal and a home win, and that stretch just seems to keep on being extended. They are obviously going to keep faith in Kochak. That is no surprise at all. He is one of the better managers in the league. But it's just a bit of a struggle at the minute. Yeah, I don't know. Something about playing at home and, and finding the back of the net eludes Sandhausen. And um, yeah, they just somehow need to figure it out. I don't know what direction they should go in, but. Yeah, there's some, there must be someone must have put a hex on the goals that they kick towards because they just can't, you know, no matter what chances they have, they just can't find a way to finish them. And um, if they want to stay up, they're going to have to start getting results at home because um, it's going to get very tough. And this league is very unforgiving. It certainly is. And uh, we will start to look ahead to their upcoming games now with our match day nine preview. It is match day nine that we will take a look at first and uh, much like last week there is only one place that we can begin that is Magdeburg against Dynamo Dresden and Matthew that looks like it's going to be an absolute cracker especially now that Magdeburg have uh, got off the mark. It is and the importance of of bragging rights and uh, East German pride and, and, and everything else is going to be on display and uh, yeah, it's fair to say these two teams do not like each other for a bit. So it, it's going to be a cracking game. Goals look likely on the menu. In the last eight times the two teams have played, um, both teams have found the back of the net in six of those games. Um, and when they met in the Dritter Liga back in 2015-16, the games finished 3-2 in favour of Dresden and the second fixture was a 2-2 draw. So hopefully we'll see more of the same on the weekend. That is what we want to see, and uh, plenty of goals wouldn't go amiss after how our last big derby game went. Um, who do you see coming out on top of that one? Do you think Dynamo have the edge, or can Magdeburg maybe spring a surprise and uh, get their first home win of the season to go with their first away win? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking Dresden, but, but, but not by much. I mean, it's going to be a really um, interesting contest. I think the, the, the motivation of, of getting that first win is is very important. And um, yeah, I think um, I think Magdeburg will test will test Dresden, but I think the overall quality that that um, that Dynamo have um, will just be a little bit too much for, for Magdeburg. And from Dynamo, we go to the side that beat them. Uh, last weekend, that was of course quite a They welcome uh, Jan Regensburg. That's not a, a big away trip for Jan to make, but um, it's a game between two of the league's most informed sides. And Matthew, uh, this one, much like the Magdeburg game, could go either way. 
It could, and um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting game. I think both sides have found their mojo going forward, and, and obviously, Jan in the past week, uh, they've scored ten times um, with Grutner and Adam Jan really finding their feet. And I think, yeah, I think we'll see a really good game. And um, yeah, I think for just being at home for me, just have that slight edge. Yeah, I think um, they can count on home advantage in this one. I think. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Jan maybe set up. Of course, they have played some big teams um, in the past week, but uh, none of them were probably really in the form that Foot are, are coming into this one with, and um, a potentially big game as well because one of these sides uh, could become the nearest challenger to Köln, and uh, that is who we move on to next. They uh, welcome MSV Duisburg to the Mungostoffer Stadion. I am going to be at that one, so if you are there and you are listening to this now, feel free to say hello. Uh, that should be a very interesting game, of course, Matthew, because now MSV have Torsten Lieberknecht as their head coach. Yes, and um, you know, manager of his quality is... It's good to see him back in the Spider League, and he has a mountainous climb um, with Duisburg. And yep, uh, history does suggest that the position that his team is in, um, there are a chance of going down. So he has a lot of work to do, and it's not exactly the easiest opponent you could pit yourself against um, in your first game in charge. And we'll see how he how he shapes the team, and um, if he's able to. Uh, nullify the goal-scoring prowess of uh, Simon Terodde. An unenviable task, I think, is probably the best way to put this one. It's uh, going to be a very, very tough beginning for Torsten Liebeknecht. But um, do you think there's any way he can set up to to really frustrate Köln? Dropping deep, of course, is one way to do it, but you've got to have something going forward as well. And, of course, it is also a chance for him to get some revenge, um, so to speak, on Marcus Anfang because it was Marcus Anfang's keel that uh, sent uh, Eintracht Braunschweig down in the end and that ultimately uh, cost Torsten Liebeknecht his job. So uh, plenty of little backstories uh, coming into this one, but I think, Matthew, overall, it's hard to see past Köln. Yeah, I mean, just the quality and... Going forward, and it's going to be really, really tough for Duisburg. I mean, if they can get a result, I mean, if they were able to get a draw, I mean, it would be a, a positive start, and it would be something that Torsten Limkesh could um, could build on, but it just, just doesn't seem very likely, and, and I, I can't imagine it happening. I think it's pretty hard for um, all of us to see at the moment, but it is why the Bundesliga, and we all know the stranger things can do and will happen. Yes, uh, plenty of big games in Group 1 and there's no lack of big fixtures in Group 2 either. We'll kick that off with Darmstadt against Haasfau. As we've said, it does look like the Christian Tietz will have to win that one to keep his job in charge of the club, which, as we've also said before, is absolutely ridiculous and uh, built, uh, among others, should hang their heads in shame about the campaign they are running against Christian Tietz. But we'll talk about the football for now and leave that discussion if it does have to happen until afterwards. Matthew, do you think that um, Tietz can get the result he needs here or will Darmstadt be upsetting in the apple carton? I mean, it's a big opportunity for Hamburg. They play a team that didn't cover themselves in any sort of glory in the uh, j- during the English week. They they shipped 10 goals and they didn't look very aggressive uh, going forward. Um, 
it, it is it is a massive opportunity for Hamburg and yeah, I think to silence the so-called critics, though there shouldn't really be any. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they're a really good chance of winning this game. I can understand, just for the record, why people are frustrated, of course, given the, the players that Hasfau have. People expect them to be doing better and playing better football, but much like when it comes to Köln, uh, these games are the the cup finals for most teams, and as much as Köln are... You know, in a better position than Hasfau as a club at the moment. You know, the fact that this is Hasfau's first season in Zweite Bundesliga, and for quite a few of the smaller teams in this league, you know, they might never get the chance to face Hasfau again. Uh, they are going to raise their levels to this. Uh, Darmstadt, of course, have played Hasfau before, so they know what to expect. Um, do you think um, Darmstadt can do it? I know we've sort of hinted at it. And Darmstadt maybe aren't in the greatest of form, but back at the Bullenfaltoa, uh, a big, big chance for them under the Friday night floodlights to get a win that they really need before the international break if they are to push on up into those you know promotion places and, and try and get back to the Bundesliga um along with the likes of Haasfau and Köln yeah I mean I mean getting the, the victory for them would be really important or even just getting a result I mean it, it's it's been a very poor past few performances for them especially defensively um and, and even going forward they've relied on on the likes of Tobias Kemper to, to be they're not only creative but but chief goal scorer so it's one of those where I'm sure it's going to be close to if not a full house at the uh, the Bellingham tour and um, whether you know whether they can get up for the game that that's going to be the thing um, they, they should be motivated being they've they've had some some poor games but yeah um, it's going to be tough. They're going to have to be very disciplined defensively and, and just be able to test Julian Polisbeck. They certainly are. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how that game goes for so many different reasons. And uh, plenty of riding on our next game as well. That is Bochum against Armenia. Of course, bragging rights, uh, given that the two sides have developed a sort of rivalry over the last couple of years. Um this is a big, big game. Of course, we said earlier, uh, if Bochum or Armenia want to get into that top echelon as well, they're going to have to win these sorts of games. And Matthew, this is a really tough one to call. It is. Um, but history suggests that Bielefeld are probably slight favourites, even though the game is being played in Borkham. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it off air and, and, and it rings true that for both sides, they they need the victory to, to stay in touch with those um, those top six teams, and and the loser has the potential to sort of be in that hole between the bottom six and and those who are really contending for for promotion. So uh, I'm, I'm sure neither team will be happy with the draw, but conversely, I mean, it's a game that neither team can ill afford to lose. Yeah, it's uh, one of those ones where we hype these sorts of games up and. Uh, at least the games that I've been at when it comes to Bochum and Armenia, they never really tend to deliver, at least um, how I would want them to go. 
But yeah, I think this is going to be a great game and hopefully there are some goals that aren't normally that many, but you never know. It's Friday night under the footlights again. Both our first two games in Group 2 are both taking place on Friday night, so a tough choice uh, for you there if you decide to watch just the one game on its own. Hopefully, Bochum can get the three points. Um, if you're there, feel free to say hello, but... Um, I don't know, I think Armenia might just snatch that one. Uh, that's my gut feeling at the moment anyway. Um, those first two games have been quite closely matched. Uh, the same can't really be said of the last one, despite the fact that Heidenheim did beat Bochum at the weekend. Uh, they make the trip to Berlin to face Union. And, Matthew, it's hard not to see Union's unbeaten record at least continuing, if not getting another three points on the board. Yeah, it looks likely, and um, you know, just in the form that Union have, sh- have shown throughout the, s- the start of the season, they they look hands on. But um, yeah, I, I have this gut feeling uh, that Heidenheim might cause a little upset. History has suggested that in the past five meetings, um, Union haven't been able to keep a clean sheet, and Heidenheim are unbeaten in those five games. Um, and they have, and Heidenheim generally score first, so. Um, you know there is potential based on history, but based on form, you'd you'd back the uh, the Berliners for the three points. Yeah, it's um, one of those ones where perhaps this is a game where Union can can get that monkey off their back and uh, finally set the record straight, if you will. I think they are going to be a little bit too strong for Heidenheim, but you never know, especially with the three players you mentioned earlier, Dovedan, Schnatter and Glatzel. There are, is plenty of firepower in that Heidenheim side to trouble Union on the counter, but of course they are going up against the league's best defence and uh, we will see if they manage to do it uh, come the weekend and you know you never know we could be looking at union going top into the international break but uh, for now that's our roundup of group two done we head on to our final group group three Yes, our final three games of match day nine. The entertainment doesn't stop at just group one and group two. It carries the whole way through. And we start with Ingolstadt against Paderborn. A big chance for Paderborn to get a scalp over a side that many fancied for promotion before the start of the season. It hasn't materialised. But Matthew, as much as we're looking at this as a chance for Paderborn to pick up three important points, this is a game that Alexander Neuy really needs to win. Yeah, I mean, uh, you wouldn't have thought that Ingolstadt heading into the second international break would be second to bottom, and that's really the opportunity. That's that's, that's the the facts at the moment. That um, Ingolstadt start has been atrocious. The, the coaching change was needed, and yeah, I mean, three consecutive defeats under Nuri is not going to really inspire the masses. And um, yeah, they they desperately need to win, but. Um, yeah, they're, they're facing a Paderborn side that looks very competent and uh, very dangerous going forward, and it's going to be another tough test for, for Deschanza. If um, they come out and play the way they did against Köln, I think we can expect them to get something from the game, but if they come out and play the way they did against Union, well, it could be a tricky test. Which side do you think we'll see this weekend, and you know, can... Paderborn managed to, to pick up three away points here because, as you said, they are the side in form and, 
you know, if they can get some striking consistency, not that it's a bad thing that they've switched up their strikers so many times and still found success, there is the chance that they can find a partnership that works and stick with it. Um, they can go on to do great things this year and perhaps be, for want of a better phrase, uh, this year's Holstein Kiel. Yeah, well, starting with Ingolstadt, who knows what we're going to get from them. Um, we will obviously expect the same tactics, three at the back, and, and you know that's a staple of Alexander Nuri. But, um, yeah, I think he almost needs to treat this game as a final. It's a final game before the break and, and just needs to find a way to get them confident, get them motivated, um, it's going to be a tough test for him. Uh, I'm backing Paderborn to win. Um, I think they're just playing too good a football at the moment. Uh, they, they look very confident going forward. They've got good midfield players. The likes of Clement has been superb. You know, his ability to find the back of the net and set up has been a real, you know, joyous, a joyous factor for, for Paderborn. Um, and yeah, they just, they just have a way of, you know, getting the best of Ingolstadt, and I think it's going to be one of those where Paderborn are, are going to be up and about. Other than the next Holstein kill, maybe. But I, I think I would, you know, tip them more to be like Jan Regensborg of last season more than anything. I think that's pretty fair assessment. But uh, coming on to the actual Holstein kill, they face Itzkebjerg. Oh, they make the trip. Uh, to our and um, this could be a tricky test for them if um, our do manage to field their uh, first choice side but if it is more rotation if it's more you know giving players minutes to cope with the rigors of uh, football at the moment and how many games our have had to play um, this could be a fairly routine win for Kiel if they turn up and play the way that we know they can yeah I think I think Kiel are just a little you know a little bit better than our in terms of going forward uh, and generally the back four has been relatively solid for Kiel. Our is a tough place to, to, to play. I think a lot of teams find a way to not not deliberately struggle, but they find it very tough to get a result. We saw St. Pauli really struggle um, a few weeks ago and, you know, it's going to be a tricky test for Kiel, but I think um, the important thing is they've got just the overall quality um, all around the park, and I think, um, you know, whatever game plan Tim Velter conjures up, I think it'll be uh, enough to get the three points uh, for, for Kiel. I think so too. It's hard to look past the Storks in this one, but our Daniel Meyer will want a win before the international break because uh, he's not going to want that pressure coming into it. And, uh, you know, given how the league is so finely poised at the moment, a win can make so much difference and uh, that would certainly be the case for Sandhausen who make the trip to Hamburg to face St. Pauli. It is our final game of match day 9 that we're going to look at this morning and Matthew, plenty on the line for both sides but it's hard to look past St. Pauli being favourites for this one. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it looks it looks very good for, for St. Pauli to get a result and um, you know they would be confident, despite the, you know, despite the draw uh, against Hamburg, which for them would be very positive. But you know they obviously didn't create enough chances, and I think they will be tested against what is generally a, really, a very resolute defence in, in Sandhausen and, and Keenan Kokach generally keeps it nice and tight at the back, and that's going to be quite interesting if if um, Saint Pauli can can break them down. Um, 
you know, they've, they've obviously got the players in midfield. It'll be interesting to see who they start up top. Will it be uh, Dimitri Diamantakos or will it be um, Hank Verman? That's going to be an interesting dilemma for Kalczynski. I would think he would back the big Dutchman. Uh, they, they've certainly looked better going forward with him. Um, and if if he starts and if they can give him service, I, I think uh, the boys in Brown will take all three points. It certainly looks that way anyway. And Do you think Sandhausen can spring a surprise here? They have been defensively solid it's been that attacking flair that they have missed they showed that they can do it in our and maybe playing away from home is a little bit of an advantage given that they just haven't been able to get it done uh, at the Hodfeld Stadion this season could that maybe play into their hands in a way it might I mean they do they certainly look to play with a little bit more freedom away from home instead of just holding the fort down they they, they look they look certainly more dangerous going into the final third but um, yeah, I think I think St. Pauli's defence has they've, they've figured it out. Obviously, we've talked about Christopher Avervor and his importance, which allows Marvin Knoll to play in that defensive midfielder role as that destroyer. And, and I think uh, I think um, the chances will be of a of a limited variety for Sandhausen, which makes it even more important for them to take those chances when they come. It certainly does, and uh, I think that's a good place to end our match day nine preview. And uh, from there, we will quickly move on to answer your questions. Um, Callum Bradka at Callum Bradka on Twitter asks, "Could this be the year Union Berlin go up?" We did get asked this question last week, Matthew. So, uh, has anything changed um, in the past week? They did, of course, uh, have a strong English week, and they managed to get past both Kiel and Ingolstadt most recently still in the hunt of course they are still in the hunt um, I think their best bet would be finishing third in that uh, promotional playoff spot um, I still can't go past Kern and, and despite how average Hamburg have been recently I still think they'll finish in the top two uh, I think they're actually pushing second now maybe pushing Haas fall into third but We'll have to see. Um, Steel Penguin at Steel Penguin 3. I'm a big Penguin fan, so I'm glad that you've asked a question. Uh, should Christian Tietz go with Arp and Lasaga up front? Do you think he'll change formation, Matthew, and go with those two? Or what does he need to do? What do you think Haas best lineup is? Oh, you'd like to see them play together. I mean, it it would show intent that he's willing to be more flexible with his lineup. We've seen how he likes to play with that false nine, which hasn't really worked in the league this season. Um, I would like to see them go up to, go together, um, see how the dynamic works. Um, we saw Kiel go with the, the two up top on um, on the weekend with Gerton and um, and uh, Yanni Lucasera, and it worked well. They were they were very good attackingly, and, and perhaps maybe just simplifying the game. Um, because there's certainly something amiss going forward. They sometimes look like world beaters, and then other times they don't look likely to hit any sort of goal mouth at all. So I, I would like to see maybe them play that four four two, that diamond in midfield um, with the attacking midfielder and then one defensive midfielder, um, just, just to see something different and see if that can unlock the potential of this Hamburg side. I have... Uh, well, when we were... Not posing this question, at least on the Zweite Bundesliga podcast account, but I was thinking, you know, what is the the lineup that I would go with if it was me picking the house outside, which is probably a terrifying 
uh, scenario for anyone who has uh, watched me try and play FIFA before. But nevertheless, um, I fancy myself as a manager at some rate. So um, God love everyone. Uh, there it is there. Uh, Polishbeck, Sakai, Bates, Van Drongelen, Douglas Santos, Mangala, Hunt, Nakai, Holtby, Huang and Lasaga is what I would probably go for. Um, I suppose the question is, why have they maybe dropped Nagai in recent weeks, especially after he was playing so well? Probably to fit Hunt and Holtby in the same side. Uh, I don't think Hunt's a winner. Oh, well, he is a winner. He's not a winger. Um, I think um, it's an interesting one that he's played him out there. I think maybe breaking up that double six pivot and uh, putting Hunt or Holtby in there would, would make for an interesting scenario and possibly give them more going forward. As for the striker question, I don't know. It hasn't worked with Arp from the start. It hasn't worked with Lasaga from the start. I suppose the question is, when does Manuel Winsheimer get a go? I don't think we've quite reached that stage yet. But at the end of the day, he has proven he can score goals for Bayern's under-19s. And uh, yeah, well, it's fight of Bundesliga. So if it does happen, it wouldn't really surprise us. Uh, Matthew, is there anything else you want to say this week before we sign off? I'm all good. Just uh, make sure you, you know, like the podcast, subscribe to um, our, our page, and um, yeah, we'll keep you up all up to date with the, the Spider Liga. I just wanted to say that I'm really, really happy that Europe won the Ryder Cup and uh, Mollywood, as it is being called, uh, Francesco Molinari and Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, the heroes of the R, incredible performances from them across uh, the Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And if you haven't seen the little sketches on the Ryder Cup Twitter, or the European Ryder Cup Twitter, uh, those are well worth checking out. Um, if you like golf, you will understand that it was a great couple of days. Unless you're an American golf fan, then you have my sincere sympathies. Um, we don't want to lose you as a listener, so please stay. Uh, for this week uh, that is all we have for you I hope you've enjoyed it a little bit more conversational than we usually are but I think it's been fun nevertheless from myself and Matthew it's goodbye and enjoy the next week of Zweite Bundesliga Football